Welcome to Where Will You Go, the FBC Telehoma Missions podcast, where we ask our members and our listeners the simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth? Today in the pod, I have with me a friend all the way over from Spain by the name of Martin Risley. I hope you'll hang around, hear what he's doing there, hear how God is using him, and hear how maybe you can be a part of what God is doing around the world. Well, Martin, welcome to the pod. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be with you. Can you tell our listeners who you are, a little bit about your family, um, a right. little background info? <laughs> My name is Martin Risley, and I'm, I'm from the United States, but I'm currently living in Spain with my family. I have a wife named Paula, and she's uh, originally from Italy. She was born and raised in Sicily, on the island of Sicily. We have one daughter named Melody, um, and we're currently living on the southern coast of Spain, uh, just outside a city called Malaga which is the fifth largest city uh, in Spain. We were called there six years ago to serve in a church. Um, we are a Baptist church right in the heart of Malaga, and I've been serving there as pastor now for six years. So you're in Spain, not as a traditional, what we think of as traditional missionaries, where you, you are a Westerner and you get sent out by an organization to go learn a new language and learn a new culture and engage an unreached, unengaged people group from the ground up. You actually moved to Spain to pastor a church there. That's right. I, we moved into an established church. The church has been there for many years, but when we went there, it had been for um, without a pastor for four years. And uh, so we went to serve in the church. To I went to serve as a pastor. But at the same time, I had really a three-fold, three-fold uh, vision you know, for the work I wanted to do in Spain. One is pastoring the church, but also doing evangelism and outreach to the, the community there, and also to be involved in training of future leaders. Um, and so the Lord has been opening doors in all these areas, and it's been very encouraging. Okay. So <clears throat> as we think about people that may be listening to this, to this broadcast, and they think, uh, what are the different ways I can get involved in missions? I think you just heard of another way. If God has called you to ministry, you have the calling and the qualifications to be an elder or pastor. You don't necessarily have to go to an unreached, uncharted area. You can, assuming you know the language, like Martin knows Spanish, you, you can go and you can pastor a church in another country. You can pastor a church and use that as a ministry base to then evangelize the, the community, mobilize the church to evangelize the community, raise up church leaders. It's just another avenue. Exactly. And let me explain one reason why that's so important, because uh, Spain— for the, I'd say about 40 years now, has been open to receiving missionaries from out, outside of, of Spain. And during that time, a number of churches have been planted already. Mm -hmm. But the generation of missionaries that planted those churches, though they're still, most of them are still in Spain, they're getting up there in years. And so what's, what's coming up is a period when many of the current generation of missionaries will be needing to retire. So if there aren't new people raised up to pastor these existing churches, you know, that's going to be really a crisis for, right. for the future of, of the gospel in Spain. There's a great need both for planning new works, but also 
for pastoring the churches that already exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spain really fits the description of, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there's a great need. So if anybody is out there and they're looking for a mission field, let me urge you to consider Spain. And, and, and that's another reason you need to be raising up leaders, like you said, that threefold vision of not just pastoring and evangelizing the community, but <clears throat> raising up leaders. Because exactly. ideally, you would want Spanish believers to sense a call to ministry and to begin to lead these churches. This is this is true, and uh, maybe later on I'll share with you some things about that. You know mm-hmm. what has been going on okay. along those lines. Um, you you went over as a pastor, but you're also with a mission organization. Um, yes, tell us a little bit about that mission organization. I don't think we've had anybody on with Heart Cry, and some of our people may not be familiar with Heart Cry. Tell us a little bit about Heart Cry Missionary Society. Yes, well. <clears throat> Originally, I, I went to Spain years ago um, with a different missionary organization back in the 90s. And so this is really the third time in my life that I've been in Spain. Um, we had been in, my wife and I were married in Spain. We um, were ministering in Spain. But then um, a certain situation arose back here in the States that required us to, to move back to the States. So we were here for 12 years. And... Uh, was, taking, that, was that your parents? My parents, okay, yes. I thought so, because I, that's a whole other level of missionary work is how do you honor and care for your parents and since a call to missions, and, and that may be a discussion for another day, right. but I think you see that we came home to honor and care for my parents for 12 years. Sorry, that's, sorry that's, to cut you off. I just wanted that's to That's exactly what we did. That. I had a, a brother, my only mm-hmm. brother, but he died unexpectedly mm-hmm. at a young age. And and when that happened, it was I sort of saw the handwriting on the wall. My father had developed chronic leukemia. Mm-hmm. My mother would soon be a widow. And we've I felt a real burden about that. And the Lord opened a door for us to minister in the city of Texarkana for 12 years. But after my father passed away and then my mother... Um, you know, the thought was always in the back of our mind, you know, will we go back to Spain someday? And through a series of uh, very interesting providences, the Lord opened that door for us to go back and and put a burden on my heart that this is something we ought to do. Um, I also had a good friend who was a pastor uh, in Mississippi who was a personal friend of Paul Washer, um, who is the who started the Heart Cry Mission. Well, the Lord started it through Paul and others working with him. But uh, this friend said, well, Martin, if you feel this call to go back to Spain, why don't you get in touch with Paul Washer? I said, oh, I'd love to, but I, I don't know how to get in touch with him. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll pass you his phone number. So I, I got in touch with Paul Washer and spoke with him. Now, the thing about Heart Cry Mission is generally Heart Cry focuses on finding um, native pastors mm-hmm. and giving support to those pastors in their ministries to do the work of gospel preaching, gospel ministry in their their native lands. But because I had been already in Spain and was fluent in Spanish, uh, the mission was open to the possibility of my coming on board, and and uh, that's what happened. And so through heart cry, I uh, received that, um, that backing to be able to go back to Spain. And then I had been in touch with various friends of mine in Spain and asked, where, if we return to Spain now, where is the greatest need? Where could we go? How could we serve? And three friends, independently of one another, all pointed to the city of Malaga mm. because they were aware of this church that had been four years without a pastor that was looking for someone to serve in that capacity. 
And so we made a trip there to Malaga in the year um, 2013. And two years later, we, when we had the support we needed, we went in 2015. Okay, so you've been there six years in yes. Spain, pastoring the church. What are, you know, share with me some challenges of this. You know, you, you've, your first language is English. You right. grew up here in the States. You now are in Spain for an indefinite period of time. You, you see this as potentially the, the ministry that you're going to be with from now on. Yes. Uh, Lord willing. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced in, in this work? Well, I think that uh, one of the great challenges uh, with regard to ministry in Spain is that there are many cultural barriers when it comes to presenting the gospel. And behind those cultural barriers, we know there are great spiritual barriers. And you've got to keep in mind Spain is a country that I would say there are two great forces that keep people um, blinded, and hardened to the gospel. One is the long history for many centuries of false religion in Spain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, that for many centuries, Spain has, for the most part, lived under some form of dictatorship. Now, there were, there have been exceptions to that, but for many years, Spain was, uh, you know, after the the Muslim uh, domination of Spain came to an end in 1492 when Ferdinand and Isabella married. Spain was established as a Roman Catholic monarchy. And so Roman Catholicism was imposed on the populace, and it became just a part of their national identity. So you ended up with a country where people in name are Roman Catholic, but it's all it's just a tradition, and, and there's, a, there's a hardness and a blindness to the gospel. Now, in the 20th century, that's complicated by the fact that the country's become very secular. So what you have is a a population that has a religious tradition um, that most people are very apathetic about. There are some very religious Catholics, but, you know, they... There's problems there, of course, Mm -hmm. but the the vast majority are nominal, and um, because of the what's hap- taking place in the whole Western world, you know this this secular this process of secularization, um, there's a great deal of apathy, mm-hmm. spiritual apathy. People are Spain is a modern country. It's a it's a prosperous country for the most part, although they have economic problems. But but people enjoy a high standard of living, and many Spaniards are focused on one thing, and that is making money and living well, mm-hmm. and so. This tends to produce uh, a spiritual apathy. It sounds like you're describing America. <laughs> there, you know, there are there are a lot of parallels, huh? but at the same time, there are vast differences. Mm-hmm. And so, I would say one of the greatest challenges is simply that you have to um, connect with people, and they have to be able to observe your life and see that there's a reality in you, you know, that this, I think, is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of evangelism in Spain, now I believe strongly in, you know, what I sometimes call cold turkey evangelism, mm-hmm. handing out tracts and, and all like that, but a lot of the most effective and what seems to be um, really lead to m- much fruit is, is building relationships with people over mm-hmm. the long term, uh, sowing the seed of the word into their life, and praying for God to to prosper that. And and so someone has said that until now, um, generally speaking, if you go to Spain, you've got to understand this is hard ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there are some fields of the world, especially where people are 
it seems uh, they they understand that their their life in this world is insecure. Mm-hmm. You know, they they live, um, you know, by the skin of their teeth, right. and and sometimes there seems humanly speaking to be a greater openness mm-hmm. to the gospel. Spain is not that way. Spain is a country because the people have been prosperous, because they're proud of their religious traditions, even though they're not religious. Um, and because of this very strong secular mentality, you have some formidable barriers to presenting the gospel. And so you really have to um, seek to build relationships with people. And in that context, then show them their need of Christ, uh, you know, explain and proclaim the reality of sin and mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, that we need forgiveness. That is our greatest need as human beings is to be reconciled mm-hmm. to God. And, uh, and so you go with the expectation, you know, that you are there to sow the seed and, and pray for God to grant fruit. You know, thanks be to God, we have seen fruit, mm. but fruit often comes in ones and twos rather than in vast numbers. Right. Okay. Now, you know what this music means? We're going to talk about our book of the month, but I don't want you to, to zone out on me because we're going to tell a story in a moment that you want to stick around for. But our book of the month is Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. If you've not read Let the Nations Be Glad, we want to encourage you to pick that up, read it. It shows us that the goal of missions is to make worshipers of Christ. So it's a good book. It centers our focus on God and on Christ and His glory in the mission. If you've not read it, we'd encourage you to pick it up and read Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. It's our book of the month. So, Martin, you mentioned just a moment ago that you're not against cold turkey evangelism, I think is what you called it, of handing out tracts. And I think this would be a good moment for you to share. Now, your wife is originally from Italy, mm-hmm. and and her father was Catholic. That's and right. I, I think it would be a good moment for you to just share that story of how her father came to faith in Christ and, and then how that trickled down to her and her siblings, if you don't mind sharing that story. This is a, a great example of the importance of, of literature and tract distribution and, and distributing scripture. My my wife is from Sicily, and both of her parents are Sicilian, and her dad was born in <clears throat> the city of uh, Modena in, in, uh, in Sicily, and the uh, he was born into a very Roman Catholic family, and at a young age, he was their, their firstborn son. And there was a tradition at that time that they, an expectation that the firstborn son would either become a priest or a monk. And since he was a very studious fellow, he loved to read, there was nothing that appealed to him more than the thought of a life of being able to study and be a scholar. So he decided to become a monk, even as a young man, a teenager, and he entered a monastery in Sicily. And... Um, what happened was is uh, that one day he was out walking in the garden. Uh, they had a walled garden at the monastery, and he happened to see something that had been thrown over the wall of the monastery, a little booklet. And he picked it up, and it was a Gospel of John. Mm. Now, keep in mind, this was before Vatican II, back in, in the late 40s or early 50s. I'm not exactly sure. In the 50s, I believe. And so he took this gospel to John to his little monk's cell and began reading it and showing it to the other young monks there who were in training to be full-fledged monks. And um, the father superior, who was, 
you know, the one in charge of that monastery happened to discover this, and he confiscated the Gospel of John that my father-in-law had, and then he gave a lecture to these young men who had been studying it and said, this is Protestant literature, it's dangerous, it's of the devil, mm. and he burned it in front of them. But what he didn't realize is that by burning that Gospel of John, he simply lit a flame in my father-in-law's heart to say, wow, he's afraid of this book. Mm -hmm. i got to find out more about it. And shortly after that, the monastery was closed. And uh, my father-in-law went to the city of Palermo where he found an evangelical bookstore and bought a Bible and read the whole thing through and was converted. Mm. He was converted and uh, eventually uh, left the Catholic Church. Actually, his family disowned him uh, because of that. And um, for a time, really struggled to survive. Uh, I mean, he, he literally lived in a cave, you know, for a time. <laughs> it was a little uh, shrine that had been set up maybe to the Virgin that had candles. According to what he said, he even it was so hungry at one point he ate some of the wax mm. from the candles. It's just his, his belly was hurting. Well, in the providence of God, he found missionaries in Italy who were working with a Swiss mission. And he joined up with them, and during his life, he ended up planting several churches in his native land of Sicily, and uh, you know, and and was greatly used to the Lord in in his lifetime to uh, plant churches. Um, he just passed away about a year ago, mm. but it was a great blessing to know him. And my mother-in-law is still alive. She's moved now to Spain to be near her daughters, and um, so we're pleased to have her with us still. That's, that's an amazing story because you don't know if somebody intentionally threw the Gospel of John over to the monks hoping they would read it or if someone just viewed it as trash and threw it over the wall. But either way, the the sovereign hand of our God and his providence Amen. put it in the hand of your father-in-law. And that's just an amazing story to let us know that we sow the seed, <laughs> but we are not the Lord of the harvest. We sow the seeds, That's right. and, and sometimes we may sow the seed to someone who doesn't want it and throws it away, but even in that, the word of the Lord doesn't return void. It'll accomplish his, his purposes. And another, just for our listeners, another side note is, you know we just finished a series on the five solas of the Reformation in October, and one of those solas was Sola Scriptura, and you see how even in the 20th century, that is a threat um, to the Catholic Church, which is why mm -hmm. we... We are Protestant. That's, that's, that's right, and and it's almost Martin Luther all over again, right there in that in that monastery. I thank you for sharing that with us, Martin. Uh, before we wrap up our time, you, you talked about some of the challenges. Will you give us a short picture of some of the blessings of being in this context of ministry? Yes. Well, one of the blessings is, as I said before, I went to um, to Spain. I really desired not only to pastor this congregation, but at the same time to be involved in evangelistic outreach and in mentoring or in training uh, young men that are going to be future leaders. And the Lord's opened doors in all these areas. Um, one of the great blessings I've had is, is to be able to make contacts with a lot of gypsies in Spain. The neighborhood where our church is located is near a neighborhood full of gypsies. And through um, several contacts that have been made, I've been able to um, preach in some of the gypsy churches and um, preach um, by um, 
an app to maybe 20 or 30 gypsies at a time mm -hmm. during the lockdowns when everybody was in their homes. Um, several of the gypsy families established like a family channel. And uh, mm -hmm. then we've, I've also been able to mentor some young men that are, are looking at becoming future leaders in, in Spain. In fact, one of the great blessings lately is uh, we've had contact with a man from Monterey, Mexico, um, who is currently studying out in California at the Master Seminary in California mm -hmm. and wants to come to Spain as a missionary. And I've been talking with him by Zoom for about a year and a half now. So he wants to come and work with me. Wow, that's incredible. And, uh, and you know, it's greatly encouraging to me because he's half my age. And so I'm 60. So, you know, here's a, here's a young man, nearly 30 years old. So I'm seeing in him, here's the future generation we've been praying for. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is a great blessing. We, there are some young men whose hearts the Lord is touching and laying on them a burden for the work in Spain. And so, um, and, and the congregation that I have is a, a wonderful congregation that loves the Lord. And so, um, uh, you know, as far as if anybody wants to pray for us, I would say pray for... Uh, personal revival in our lives. You know, the COVID crisis, I think, has had a wearing effect mm -hmm. on us and um, injected a lot of fear into people. And I, I so long to see things get back to normal in Spain. You know, we still have a lot of restrictions in place, but, um, and, and it's, uh, we've also lost some people, you know, during the COVID crisis. Not, I don't mean that they've died, but I mean they've disappeared. Mm -hmm. People that were coming mm -hmm. to church and just yep. disappeared. So pray for revival. Pray for wisdom as we go into uh, a period of time in which there does seem to be increasing um, aggressive opposition by the government in Europe to um, the public proclamation of, of truth mm -hmm. that is in accordance with a Christian worldview. You know, the... The whole LGBT movement is very strong in Spain and in Europe, and the, the desire to try to impose a certain view of morality and ethics that goes totally and, you know, contradicts the Bible. And so if you take a strong stand publicly in preaching and all like that, you can, um, in fact, just before I left Spain, I heard, heard of one church that was, got into trouble because they were going to have a family seminar uh, in their church, and one activist group was denouncing them because they had said something about, you know, we're going to be teaching about God's design for marriage, one man, one woman, you know, and some group denounced them, you know, for hate mm -hmm. speech. And so you have that coming down the pike in, uh, in Spain and in, in the European Union. So pray for wisdom as we go into this era of increasing um, hostility toward gospel proclamation, which we're seeing more and more on the rise mm -hmm. in Europe. Okay. And your support, are you, su are you fully supported at this point? You're doing well financially? If, if, if we continue to receive the level of support we have now, we're, we're doing fine. We're very thankful for the way this, that the Lord has provided for us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing to, to be able to, to serve the Lord there, and we, we have had our needs met, yes. Martin, thank you for joining us today in the pod and sharing what you're doing in Spain and a little bit of your family story, your wife's family story. I want to pray for you. Thank you, and then, brother. And then we'll wrap up. Okay. God, thank you for Martin and Paola and the, 
and the family there in Spain. Um, God, we thank you for their labors there. We do pray for revival for them. We know that it puts a weight on leadership uh, to navigate the ins and the outs of, of what 2020 looked like and even 2021 has continued to look like uh, with COVID and, and illness and restrictions. So we got, God, we pray for them, that you would refresh their spirit, that you would revive them and encourage them, and for their church, that you would encourage the church, you would revive the church, that you would stir the church, um, even in the midst of, of difficulty, God, uh, that you would draw them near to you, and uh, things would get back to normal, but, but better than normal, God. We pray for wisdom in the midst of challenges from culture and culture shift and government, God, we need your wisdom, and I pray that you would help them to navigate wisely with your discernment and leadership and guidance and direction, and God, that you would continue to raise up support for them so that they can freely minister and freely serve. We thank you for the testimony that we've heard today from him and for the work you're doing in Spain. We pray your blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the pod. We appreciate you listening. We hope you've been challenged. We hope you've been encouraged. We hope you'll continue to pray for Martin and his family and his work in Spain. We hope you'll download the Joshua Project out and pray for those unreached, unengaged people groups and that you will go by the mission wall on your way out of church or into church on Sunday. Thank you again for joining us. Hope to catch you next Monday on Where Will You Go? God bless.